Welcome to the Death Kit Show. Let's go. Hey. All right. Welcome to the GK Show. Fun music at the beginning. Yeah. Having a good day. Let's start the pod. Are we recording? It's recording. All right. Okay. Just had my coffee and I'm ready to working. Let's do this. <laughs> oh man, I am so out of it. Being stuck. On the ship for this long. It is brutal. Walked around New Orleans yesterday and I've been in New Orleans a bunch and it was just sad, you know. First time I was in New Orleans with my wife when we were just dating and it's just like I want someone to walk around with. So sad. Uh, so, anyways, I um, had my first show on this cruise last night and oh man, I totally, it's so funny. Sometimes people come up to, comedians and they're just like how do you remember all that stuff you know and Lana just do you know just remember just remember my jokes how do you remember the order <laughs> well last night <laughs> I was having a great set and then I just totally forgot what was supposed to come next in that set and like usually I could just do whatever I want but uh, I have to do totally different shows so I do kind of map out sets like oh, they said I do this and the next I do that and the next I do this and the next I do that right and I'm doing like completely different set so I'm just on stage packed standing room only doing great <laughs> then in my head I'm like what the fuck comes next I totally forgot so then I just started doing material from them and doing other sets and then I was, as I'm doing the material though like I'm not even selling it that well because in my head I'm like what is supposed to be here I'm supposed to be doing something else so I wasn't fully in it Anyways, it was a little up and down. It was it was great, and then it was like, eh, and then I got it back at the end and whatever. So it's so funny because like the audience has no idea. They're not they're not going, you know. Oh, this is not what's supposed to come next. But in my head, I'm just so pissed off about it. I was so mad at myself last night, going to sleep. Even though people were like, "Oh, you were great. Can't wait to come to your other shows." And in my head, I'm like, "Oh, that was not great. I was I, I let I let you guys down. It could have been better, but whatever. As long as they had fun." It's also a late show. That's like the first night of their little trip. And then it's such a late show. So people are just, you know, either they've been drinking all day, well, probably both of these things, because they just got on their vacation, you know what I mean? And then, so they've been drinking all day, and then it's late, so they're tired, you know? Because you get on, you start day drinking. That's the thing. Oh, there was a guy on, did I mention this? There was a guy on, uh, I bumped into... Uh, the last one and he he's like this guy's like 50 right and uh, his what he was like at a lot of my shows so they were always like hey there he is there he is right when I'm walking around I'm like oh hey what's up guys and then the wife goes oh man if you would have seen him earlier you would have had so many jokes blah 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 I'm like oh what happened and then uh, they're like she's like he was passed out face down in front of the elevator and I was like what and I go that was today and, she, and he's like, yeah, but look at me, man. I'm back. I'm back. Look.
at me. And I'm like, geez, dude, if I get that drunk during a day where I pass out in public on the ground, that's kind of the end of my day. Like, I'm waking up from that. I am not going to have... This guy had energy, and he was just like, look at me, I'm 50. I don't care. I'll bounce right back. Oh, you bounce right back, and you're still partying? <laughs> how do you how do you pass out in public, face down in front of an elevator, and then someone's like, hey, man, wake up. And you're like, all right, let's party. <laughs> he goes right back to partying. So... Uh, I don't know what my point was. Oh, yeah, these people just, like, party pretty hard, I think, on these things. Oh, all right, anyways, real quick, got to get it out of the way. Please take 10 seconds, rate the podcast five stars, subscribe, leave a review. Rating five stars is the most important thing. If you could just do that. And it's the quickest. It's the most important and the quickest, so please do it. And then um, if you leave a review, that'd be awesome. And if you subscribe, tell a friend, share a podcast you like, that would totally help me out. All right, let me see. Um, I thought this popped into my head the other day. I don't know why. I think I don't know why this popped into my head. Oh yeah, just basic logic. Okay, let's just talk about basic logic in life. I always try and live by logic, and sometimes I definitely fall very short. Um, I remember when I was in high school, and I took the SATs, and I wasn't happy with my score. It wasn't like a bad score, but it was just like not good. Right? It wasn't. It wasn't very eye popping. And the SATs, I don't know how it is now. I think they changed. I think it's out of like 2,400 or something now. But at the time when I took it, it was out of 1,600, okay? And the school I went to, all these kids were taking SAT prep classes. And they were stressed out so much because they were all just like, I got to get in the best college. I got to get in the best college. I got to take the SAT prep. I got to get the highest score possible. And some kids were like really smart. And you're like, well, they're going to score really high. And other kids, you're just like, you're stressing yourself out so much. Like, this can't be healthy. Can't be good to stress yourself that much about a test. Like, how are you going to perform well on that test? So we took it the first time. And I got this, you know, okay score. And then I looked at it, and SAT is math and then English, right? Like, that's it. Which is kind of weird, because why do you study all that other shit? And then the SAT, which is supposedly so important, they it's just math and English. So, or math and verbal, is that what it is? I don't know. Was it called English or verbal? So, I was in accelerated math all through high school, all through junior high and high school until I got to um, calculus. And then calculus, I just couldn't, like, I just didn't, all the other math came, like, more natural to me, and then that one I just was not good, right? So I think it was, like, algebra 2 or something like that, which is pre-calculus. I don't know. Once, like, all the letters got involved and it was, like, all these parentheses and letters, I'm like, I just, what is this for? I don't get what this is for. And I took a IQ test, I remember, once, and it said I'm a, uh, the type of brain I have is I'm a visual mathematician, so things that like logically make sense, I'm good at that stuff, but then more abstract stuff sometimes, I guess I'm not as good. So anyways, I looked at the test and I was like, man, I'm not going to get like that much better at math. Like I don't see how my math is going to just become so much better. And I scored pretty well, I think, on the math, but I go, but verbal... I mean, after taking the test, I was like, there's just like a bunch of questions like, you know, what's this word mean? Or, you know, what's the word mean? But it's like, this word is comparable to this word, or this word is to this word as that word is to whatever, right? I think it was stuff like that. So I remember thinking, man, my vocabulary could get better. I could study words. So all these kids are spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars, maybe thousands. I don't know if it was thousands, but they're spending a lot of money on these SAT prep classes, stressing themselves out. And I was like, I'm just gonna buy this book. I think I might have told my parents, like, yeah, I think I, I could get better on verbal. So I found this book called SAT Verbal Velocity, and then I just studied those words. <laughs> and then 
I took the test again and I went up a hundred points. And I'm trying to remember if I'm trying to remember if all a hundred were in verbal. It was either all a hundred were in verbal or I went up eighty in verbal and twenty in math or something like that. Or I might have gone like down twenty in math and up hundred and twenty in verbal and something like that. It might have been something like that. But um anyways, basically my math stayed the same, my verbal went way up and a lot of the kids that took the SAT prep classes went down. <laughs> what do, could you imagine taking a class where like, we guarantee you will be the best version of yourself and then you just go down, you're gonna get a better score, we guarantee. A lot of those classes I remember were like, we guarantee you go up at least 200 points or 100 points or whatever it was, you know? And then I remember people were like, uh, how'd you go up? You went up 100 points? I don't know if anybody went up as much as I went up. I'm being dead serious. I'm not trying to like brag about anything. I didn't get an amazing SAT score. I think I, I think I got 1220 was my uh, was my final score after I took it a second time, um, which is you know it's like good. I think like it's I think it's yeah it's above average, but it's not like blowing anybody out of the water. It's nothing great. I knew a lot of people that got I knew a guy that got like 1590. I knew people who got like 14 stuff, 1530 shit like that. Um, really wanted to get in the 13s. I mean, that'd be great, but why do I care about this now? Anyways, um, they were just like, what'd you do? What'd you do? Like, what's my special formula? And I was just like, I just thought about it logically. Like, I wasn't going to get better at math. There wasn't enough time. I, I wasn't going to grasp things that all of a sudden I, you know, I wasn't going to grasp things all of a sudden that I was never able to grasp all these years. And, uh, but I, I knew I could learn more words. <laughs> like, what was so hard about that? I bought a book for like, 12 bucks verbal velocity SAT verbal velocity and I went up so I don't know just pretty proud of that I think I should apply more logic to my career because I am just I don't know what I'm doing um, let's see oh I read this article okay so because I can't have access to the internet what I did is I took screenshots of a couple articles so I could talk about them this first one is like pretty morbid it's kind of weird but uh, my email is in the show notes. If you want to email me, give your opinion, or you can always give your opinion on social media. I'm at Jeff Keith, G-E-O-F-F-K-E-I-T-H. Um, so this this is like, a, basically there's certain states where you're allowed to have assisted suicide, I guess, which is, I'm not going to you know, try and talk about death too much, but I guess I will in this article. But it's just like, it's such a weird thing, you know, because everybody has different opinions on it. And it is like a strange thing. Like people are like, "Oh, like I just wanted to go." So, anyways, so I chose to go. So here's um, this is uh, it's called "In the Face of Death: The Party of a Lifetime" from Seattle. The day he picked to die, Robert Fuller had the party of a lifetime. So that's so strange. Like, how do you, how do you go to that party? You know, it's gonna end shitty. You know what I mean? You know, your boy's about to kill himself. So strange. Like that's just if you get that invite and you have something else scheduled. You know what I mean? Like, say I had a friend that was doing this, or someone I knew, and I, I, was, I knew him well enough to get the invite to the party, okay? <laughs> the party. <laughs> this party sucks. Um, so you get an invite to the party, and then, uh, but I'm like, ah, I got a gig. I'm actually bit working that weekend. Do I cancel my gig where I make money to provide for my family to go watch you kill yourself? Like, I don't think so. I think I'm kind of like, dude... Uh, I vote no, don't do that, and also, like, I'm not coming. Like, like is, that, is that like a wedding? Like, do people feel the need to be like, oh, I gotta make that. Uh, okay, hey, cancel, 
last week of September because we got a death party we're going to. Robert's going to kill himself. We got to go. That's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be a good time. So I don't want to miss that. You know what I mean? They're going to have little coffin cookies, <laughs> little little Grim Reaper gummies. <laughs> like what? What is that cake at that party? Anyways, all right. In the morning. He dressed in a blue Hawaiian shirt and married his partner while sitting on a couch in their senior housing apartment. So this guy has a partner. He has a life partner. He's just like, what is this person's vote? He then took the elevator down three floors to the building's common room, decorated with balloons and flowers. With an elaborately carved walking stick, he shuffled around to greet dozens of well-wishers and friends from across the decades, fellow church parishioners and social work volunteers. The crowd spilled into a sunny courtyard on a beautiful spring day. Yeah, well, the day weather was beautiful. I don't know about what's about to happen. A gospel choir sang. A violinist and soprano performed Ave Maria. Beautiful song. Kind of ruining it for me now. A Seattle poet recited an original piece imagining Fuller as a tree with birds perched on his thoughts. Oh, geez. That's interesting. So, like, okay. I guess this guy wants that'd be cool to be a tree with birds perched on... Why would the tree have thoughts? I'm so confused. It's poetry. And when the time came, quote, Uncle Bob banged his walking stick on the ceiling to command attention. On the ceiling. I'll be leaving you... Oh, I get it. I'm so stupid right now. I'll be leaving you in little over an hour, he announced. A sob burst. Yeah, of course. Like, what if you are having a great... Okay, this is what... When I read this part, he's like, I'll be leaving you in a little over an hour. And it's like, obviously, there's like a scheduled time. What if you're just having a great party? What if what if you're just having such a good time? You're like, hey, can we just like postpone this until, you know, the party kind of sucks? Oh, just burp, sorry. You know what I mean? You're just like, everyone's having a great time. You know what I mean? Bruno Mars is playing. Everyone's dancing. They didn't realize they could still move like that. Next thing you know, it's like, oh, hey, guys. <laughs> Record scratch. Uh, it's time for me to kill myself. And I was like, no, come on. <laughs> it's not even curfew. <laughs> Uh, I'll, okay, I'll be leaving you in a little over an hour, he announced. A sob burst. Fuller turned his head sympathetically. Like, what is, am I missing? Oh, sympathetically towards its source. I'm ready to go, he said. I'm tired. Jeez, dude, it's like way to ruin the party. Like, you're tired? Everybody else is having a party. Later that afternoon, Fuller plunged two syringes filled with a light brown liquid. A fatal drug combination mixed with Kahlua, his favorite alcohol like what dude just like you, you can just put in your favorite alcohol with your death cocktail into a feeding tube in his abdomen oh, that sounds like a terrible way to go he was one of about 1200 people who have used washington's death oh oh sorry he is one of about 1200 people who have used washington's death with dignity act to end their lives in the decades since it became law so okay washington's one of the states as such laws grow more popular, they have taken or will take effect in Hawaii, New Jersey, and Maine this year, making it nine states where, quote, aid in dying is allowed. More people who are suffering and terminally ill have the option of hastening their death. See, I get that. Like, if you're super terminally ill and you're in a lot of pain, that's one thing. But I feel like that's like you're under, you're at the hospital, you're in a tremendous amount of pain, it's not going to go away, it's only going to get worse, and you want to kind of pull the plug. You know what I mean? I feel like that's a thing. But this guy... This guy doesn't sound like he was in any chronic pain. He just sounds like he was over life. Watch where this article goes. Um, Those who do cite a variety of reasons. Fear of losing their autonomy or dignity. Becoming a burden to loved ones. Becoming unable to enjoy life. But they are united in a desire to take control of their own ends. 
Okay. The Associated Press documented one man's story in the days surrounding his death, spending time with him and those around him. In an interview the day before he died, Fuller said he wanted to demonstrate for people around the country how such laws work. This is such a weird thing because, okay, my opinion right here, I'm just going to inject my opinion. This guy's doing something that he wants to do, okay, which, uh, whatever, teach their own, I guess. I mean, I don't know how I feel about this law, but he wants to do it, okay? And then he pretends he's doing it to demonstrate for people around the country how such laws work. It's like, dude, you just want attention. I don't care what anyone says. I feel like you just want attention. It's like the people who do charity work and they take a bunch of pictures of it. It's like, yeah, you're doing good stuff, but like, leave out the fucking... I don't even know if that's a good example. But you know what I mean? Like, sometimes people just pretend like, yeah, I'm just doing this for, uh, you know, for everybody else. It's like, sounds like you want to kill yourself because, (laughs) you know what I mean? You could do a lot of things for other people and... They don't all end with you dying, so I don't know. Whatever. For him, the decision to end his life at 75 was, if not easy, never in doubt. I don't even understand that. Don't you think that has to be kind of easy if it's never in doubt? You know what I mean? Like when I, I have one tattoo, it's for my grandpa. I got it after he passed away, and I never thought I'd get a tattoo. And now I kind of want more tattoos. I kind of want tattoos for. I've been to- t- uh, toying with the idea of my wife and my kids names in like the shape of a heart or something um i don't know i don't know if i want like a cooler design but i want like something simple if i get it but anyways i got a tattoo for my grandpa and i never thought i'd be a tattoo guy so i thought of what i wanted and then i made sure that that's exactly what i wanted and where i wanted it for a full year and then i was like and obviously things change every five years every whatever i feel like i'm a totally different person so i'm sure in 20 years i might be like have a totally different take on it but the point is i didn't just go i want to get a tattoo i'm gonna go get a tattoo today oh yeah oh and i'll go in and then i'll schedule it and i'll go get it later this week like i didn't do that i actually real you know thought about it anyways my point is by the time i got my tattoo it was never in doubt so it was an easy decision so what does that mean if not easy never in doubt Never in doubt means it is easy. It's like, hey man, do you want to eat pizza right now? Or do you want to have a salad? And you're like, I haven't had pizza in two months. I want pizza for sure. It's never in doubt. You're not like, oh, this is a tough one. You know, do I have pizza? Do I have salad? You're like, no, it's never in doubt. I feel like I'm giving the worst, (laughs) like the weakest analogies right now. But this is what happens when I just, you know, when I just come up with it, you know? All right. A long relationship with death. Death did not frighten Bob Fuller. It had been with him since he was young. I listened to this shit. He grew up in Hookset, New Hampshire, the second of four children. His father was a furniture maker, his mother a homemaker. He described their relationship as loveless and unhappy, but he was close with his grandmothers who would frequently sit with him. Sit with them. When he was eight, he said, his father's mother, severely depressed, drowned herself in the Merrimack River after leaving her glasses and slippers on the shore. He recalled seeing her body in the water, a trauma that began his long, matter-of-fact relationship with death. Okay, that didn't happen to me when I was eight, so I'm pretty sure that had a lot to do with this guy thinking, oh, someday I'm just probably going to kill myself the way my grandma, who I was really close to, the way she did. By the way, how do you drown yourself in a river? Did she have to tie something really heavy to our feet? Like, I don't know how I would drown myself. You can't hold your own head underwater, right? Isn't there something where it's like a reflex and... You can't do that. It's like you can't choke yourself. Can you not? You can't choke yourself to death either, right? I don't know. All right. The next story is a lot different. It's about ballet, so calm down. <laughs> um, he called it his, quote, default setting. If life gets painful, you go to the Merrimack River. Okay. 
Fuller's friend described him as playful, wise, witty, and vibrant, a wonderful singer and the type of person who collected friends everywhere. He sponsored people in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction after quitting drinking in 1983. In retirement, he ran a voucher program now named for him through the... Oh, through the... Oh. Through the LGBTQ support organization Peer Seattle that provided music and theater tickets to those who couldn't afford them. As a former nurse, he was like an unofficial assistant manager at his building, helping residents change bandages or picking them up when they fell in their kitchens. But his old default setting persisted through much of his life, a sort of undercurrent of, to the way he lived, quote, out loud, as he put it. He tried to kill himself in 1975, he said, when he was drinking too much and despondent after his marriage ended. So it's not like this guy has like mental health issues, you know what I mean? Not everyone is trying to kill themselves. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to put, pass judgment on people trying to kill themselves, but not everyone's doing that. So this guy has like a history of trying to kill himself. He has a grandmother who he's really close to who killed herself, and he apparently saw her glasses and slippers on the shore, so he's, I don't know. That's that's very that that'll change you. That'll something will happen in your brain, your psyche. If you see something like that, um, he had revealed to his wife he was gay. Fuller had moved to Seattle for nursing school, and he was working as a psychiatric nurse at Harborview Medical Center when he swiped handfuls of narcotics, went to a nearby park, swallowed them, and lay down to die. He called for help when it started raining. He said he didn't want to die cold and wet. Okay, so. That's the thing that I don't get. Like he said, he thought of that as his like default setting. If life got bad, then you can always kill yourself. The thing is, like life isn't always great, and life can be bad. And then, next thing you know, like a year later, two years later, three years later, it's like you're you're happier than you've ever been. So, I mean, that's horrible. Like I would not give that advice to somebody else. You know what I mean? I'm definitely not gonna give that advice to my children. Like, oh, if life gets bad, just end it. You know what I mean? If you're not fucking kicking ass 100% of the way through life, just fucking tap out because there's no way it ever gets better. Like, of course that's the opposite of the truth. In the mid-1980s, Fuller helped care for friends suffering from AIDS and administered a fatal dose of medication to one at the end of his fight, he said. But his own sexual behavior, behavior was so risky it verged on suicidal. He contracted AIDS and then lived long enough to benefit from the AIDS drug mixture when it was developed in the mid-1990s, thanks to Magic Johnson. When Magic got AIDS, they were like, let's fucking figure this out. I think I wanted to get AIDS, he said. All my friends were dying. Okay, I mean, I, I get how that could be depressing. I'm glad your friends are dying. For critics, that sort of fatalism is the key problem with AIDS and dying in aid and dying laws. Some AIDS patients who chose to end their lives might have lived long enough to benefit from the AIDS drug mixture as Fuller did, said Wesley J. Smith, an author and prominent critic of the laws. Yeah, that's my point too. Like, you don't know. Something great might happen. Like I said, if you're in chronic pain, not going to go away. Every doctor and everybody's like, yeah, this like, sorry, like you're probably dead in two months and it's just going to be pain the entire time. And it's like, all right, pull the plug. You know what I mean? Like, I get that more than just like, I just want to kill myself. Oh, and I'm doing it for you people. It's like, you don't even know who you are, bro. Like, you're not doing it for me. Beyond that, to allow people to hasten their deaths represents an abandonment, a signal to the terminally ill that their lives are not worth living, he said. Quote, we should be very concerned that we are normalizing suicide in our society, especially at the very time during which practically out of the other side of our mouth, we are saying suicide is an epidemic. And I said, I totally agree with this guy, Wesley J. Smith. I mean, that's totally true, especially because like depression in young people is, is going way, way up because of social media and stuff like that. So now we're just going to make it like suicide's a normal thing. This is like, actually, I'm very much against this now that I, I'm reading it. Like, this is not a good thing. 
like to make it like oh yeah killing yourself is fine like totally cool like what about all the people around you it affects because like, this is going to bleed into younger people who go oh that guy was 75 and he was old but you know I'm 28 and I am super depressed right now because my marriage ended or my girlfriend dumped me or my boyfriend dumped me or I don't have a good job or the job I want or I don't have the career I want or you know whatever so I'm gonna kill myself and then it's like all those people's friends family like there there's like a big effect that affects everyone so it's it is a selfish move I think I think it's a pretty selfish move uh, whether such deaths do constitute suicide is a semantic debate in Washington and other states with aid and dying laws coroners are forbidden from categorizing the deaths as suicide instead they list natural causes that's bullshit that's just lying opponents including the American Medical Association maintain that quote assisted suicide is more accurate well yeah it's definitely more accurate than natural causes shooting uh, uh, drugs into your abdomen mixed with Kahlua because it's your favorite drink because you're trying to kill yourself and you know that will kill you uh, that's not natural causes that's that's bullshit yeah I don't like that at all because that's just straight up lying and then like hundreds of years from now or something if this you know people are looking into it they'll be like whoa what are you talking about look at the statistics these guys all these people all died from natural causes all right next next pair next uh, chunk why should I suffer Fuller had long thought that if he were ever to become terminally ill he would want to control his death that notion was reinforced years ago when a woman in his building used Washington's law, he said. She explained the requirements for him, including that two doctors must certify you have less than six months to live, that you must be competent, and that you must request the fatal drugs. Sorry, I'm just going to the next page. These are all screenshots. Um, and that you must request the fatal drugs twice verbally and once in writing, witnessed by two people. That doesn't sound very hard to do if you got a couple fucking buddies. Last summer, he went to the doctor with a sore throat. Oh, boy. It turned out to be an aggressive cancer at the base of his tongue. He began a round of chemo but abandoned it, saying it was killing his soul. Instead, earlier this year, he picked a date, May 10th, and began planning. Why should I suffer, he said. I'm totally at peace with this. All right, this is making more sense. In the ensuing months, he put his affairs in order. He went up the Space Needle and took a road trip down the Pacific Coast High with his partner and caretaker of the past few years, Reese Baxter. You know what's so funny? I think I didn't read the second half of this article when I first read it. Um, when he went to the top of the Space Needle, I thought, like, why don't you just jump from there, dude? You know what I mean? I've been up top of the Space Needle. That's pretty high up. They got the rotating 360-degree restaurant. That's fun. The cancer was closing his throat, making it difficult to eat, but he had the flan from the Mexican restaurant around the corner one last time. On Facebook, he described his pain his falling weight, and his final visits with old friends. Isn't Facebook and just social media in general such an interesting thing? It all started as like, this is a way to connect with people at your college. Sweet. And now it's just, fast forward. <laughs> I am dying. Here's my pain. Here's my falling weight. Here are my final doctor visits. I'm going to kill myself May 10th. Who wants to come to my party? Fuller began returning more often to the Catholic church he had long attended. His spiritual views were... Uh, Switchboos were hardly orthodox. He considered himself a shaman and described his impending death as a state of, quote, perpetual meditation. But Seattle's St. Therese Parish, Parish was known for accommodating a range of beliefs. Fuller was beloved there, and he craved the community. He had sung in the gospel choir and read scriptures from the lectern during services, sometimes delivering insightful or funny remarks off the cuff, said Kent Stevenson, the choir's director. Stevenson credited the tenacity and clarity of Fuller's choice. 
Quote, it was hard to even cry because he was so forthcoming, so sober about it, Stephen said. He was just so outrageously unique and such a character, this was completely in keeping with who Bob was. The Roman Catholic Church opposes aid and dying laws, citing the sanctity of life, but Fuller's decision was widely known and accepted among the parishioners. At the service where he received his last communion on May 5th, the Reverend Quentin DuPont brought over a group of white-clad children who were receiving their first communion. They raised their arms and blessed him. Wow, so... I don't know. I still think that's like a weird thing to just be in the room while, while life leaves somebody. You know what I mean? Like that. I've never been in the room when somebody has just died like that. But, um, geez, now I'm just thinking about even my dog dying when someday I have to put my dog down or something. That'd be the worst. I've had, I had to do that a lot. My parents had to take our animals in. It's just such a sad feeling. My mom was in the room. I think my, was my mom in the room when my, when my, her dad and mom both died? I can't remember. No, no, I think she was in the room with my grandma. I don't think she was in there. Now I'm going to start crying on the podcast. I think she might have been in the room. I don't know, but I heard just like a... It's such a... I, I remember seeing both my grandparents when they were like close to dying and everyone knew like like the hospice care was there and they were just like, oh, it's going to be, you know, like any day now type thing. It's horrible. Like, why would you want to... I guess they're not... This guy's just injecting something and it kind of looks like he goes to sleep, but... I don't know. It's just like they they have this weird breathing thing, and it's like this strange thing, and there is like this feeling of her that like some sort of like soul or something is leaving somebody. I don't know. All right, this is a horrible talk, topic. We're almost done. Next story is better. The end. As he hugged friends and sang along at his party, Fuller appeared serene, betraying no sign of reconsideration. He also kept his sense of humor, greeting a reporter by saying, I'm dying to read your story. That's a pretty good joke. Come on. Quote, you can find me in God's eyes. You can find me in beautiful music, he told the crowd. You can find me in terrible, terrible farts. He invited those who wished to be with him for his death to come upstairs. Friends packed into his bedroom. Oh, geez. So it's like, oh, so he was just going to like walk upstairs. Oh, man. He changed into satin, navy blue pajamas and lay down in his bed. Quote, it's hard to be here, but I wouldn't miss it, said Yvonne Kilcup of Tacoma, whom Fuller began sponsoring in recovery 24 years ago. Quote, he gave me a good solid kick in the butt. Now I'm going to hold his feet as he passes. Ooh, I wonder if that was like a debate. Like, who gets to hold his feet? And Yvonne's like, I've known him 24 years. And somebody else is like, well, I've known him 28. Can I hold his feet? It's like, well, you know, you got an in. When did you get invited to this party? I got invited, <laughs> like, right away. Okay. In the kitchen, two volunteers with the nonprofit End of Life Washington mixed the drugs and Kahlua in a glass measuring cup. They said they considered themselves to be like midwives, helping usher people out of the world instead of into it. Everyone's just giving themselves their own definition of what's going on. Quote, You know if you do this, if you put this in your system, you'll go to sleep and you won't wake up. One, Stephanie Murray told him as she delivered the syringes. I do, Fuller answered. Fuller plunged the syringes. After a few moments of tense quiet, he led his friends... Oh man, where is this? I feel like, uh, he led his friends in singing. Wait, what? I'm so glad we had this time together. The sign off from the old Carol Burnett television show. His eyes closed for longer and longer periods. I'm still here, he said, and then he wasn't. Ugh, that is some morbid, morbid stuff. I don't know. What do you guys think? Ah, oh, that is. I guess if you're, like, gonna die and all that stuff, you don't want to be in pain. I just feel like that'd be just a weird moment to make that decision. I don't know. I just don't think suicide should be normalized. Okay, next story. Let's just move on from that. Uh, male dancers confront ABC's Laura Spencer over a joke. Oh, this is this, this one was 
pretty this is just where we're at Lars Spencer is sorry for making fun of Prince George for taking ballet class the Good Morning America co-anchor 50 issued an apology on the show Monday saying quote I screwed up I did the comment I made about the dance was insensitive it was stupid and I am deeply sorry she went on to say that she quote spoke with several members of the dance community over the last few days I have listened I have learned about the bravery that it takes for a young boy to pursue a career in dance and last night I sat down with three influential dancers who lived it firsthand that was followed by an interview with Spencer and acclaimed ballet dancers Robbie Fairchild, Travis Wall, and Fabrice Calmels. At the end of the interview, Spencer said her, quote, lesson is that words hurt. And while it was not her intention, it was insensitive. And that she thanked them for letting her apologize, quote, personally, and for educating her on the bullying that young male dancers face. Quote, again, I am really sorry she included. Is she fucking stupid? Of course young boys who want to get into ballet are going to be bullied by jerks. Like, what, how stupid, she's 50, she doesn't realize that that's a thing, that if you're a boy and everybody else is going into football, and you're like, oh, I'm going to take ballet, that the other boys aren't going to be, not all of them, but some of them are going to be like, oh, ballet class, oh, somebody's a fairy, you know they're going to say stupid shit like that. She had no idea? I don't buy this lady's bullshit story. As the segment ended, Spencer told her co-host, so grateful for a very positive conversation and the opportunity to turn a negative into a teachable moment. While all this went down, a group of male dancers protested outside by putting on a performance to stand up against bullying. Okay. Last Thursday, Spencer was reporting on the six-year-old prince's curriculum as he starts year two at Thomas's Battersea, saying the future king of England will be putting down the Play-Doh to take on religious studies, computer programming, poetry, and ballet, among other things. Then, while laughing, she added, Prince William says Prince George absolutely loves ballet. I have news for you, Prince William. We'll see how long that lasts. I mean, he might. He might end up between the religious studies and the computer programming. I just want to go back to the Play-Doh. She received widespread criticism from everyone from Fairchild, Wall, Calmels to Gene Kelly's widow and choreographer, Debbie Allen. Well, I don't know Debbie Allen was married to Gene Kelly. That's why they had her video. I, I can't play these videos on... Uh, oh, you know what? I think I can find these videos uh, on their Instagram because they're posted to Instagram. Oh, that's great. So maybe I'll try and find it. It'll be a little weird reading it. Spencer, a mom of two teens, a son and daughter, took to social media the day after to apologize as well. Quote, from ballet to anything anyone wants to explore in life, I say go for it. I fully believe we should all be free to pursue our passions. In 2018, it was announced Spencer would be logging less time on the morning show, appearing three days a week. I like how they add that at the end. Like, it's not because of this, but they're like, by the way, she's logging less time in case anyone's still upset about this. All right, so let's see. Lara Spencer, dude. I want to see if I could find this on Twitter because, and while I'm trying to find this, hopefully hopefully I can find the video because I can't play videos if they're like embedded into Twitter. Um, so this is, this is okay, I'm not saying what this lady, I don't, I don't think what this lady did was that crazy. Uh, but this is what bothers me. They make it sound like she was the one laughing only when she read it okay people started laughing so the whole audience started laughing let me see if this is it uh, gma's lara spencer is oh, being no. criticized for laughing about prince george's ballet dancing prince william says george absolutely loves ballet i have news for you prince william we'll see how long that lasts <laughs> all right so that was not the whole thing though at the very beginning of it when she mentions the different things come on it's got to be somewhere it's got to be somewhere on 
Lars Nesser apologizes. Now it's all about our apology? Come on, where's the original video? Uh, oh, no, 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 no. We gotta find this thing. But did, did Twitter take it down? Because Lars Spencer's at GMA and they like GMA? I don't know what's going on here. Lars Spencer, GMA. Let's see if. Truly just great. Uh, these are just people shitting on her. Oh, this is so bad. I can't find it. Anyways, um, let's see if we could find Debbie Allen's response to it. So hers was on Instagram. Basically, when she first listed off the things, like I read in that article, how, you know, she's like, he'll be doing this, this, and ballet. The audience laughed. The other co-hosts laughed. And then that's where she kind of, you could tell she got, like, the juice to be like, oh, I'm going to, like, play with this a little bit. Like, I can maybe get some laughs off it. All right, here, here's Debbie Allen's uh, response. Hopefully, it's, hopefully it just uploads and plays. Hey, Laura. It's Debbie. Laura Spencer. I am sure you did not expect your remarks to set off the firestorm that it has, but it did. Darling, you're not on Saturday Night Live. You're a respected media journalist, and we expect to get our news, information, and ideas from you. So poking fun at the dance world, the ballet, and young boys, this is just not cool. Look at the great contributors to the world and society, men that have studied dance. Steve Jobs, hello, you know, Bob Christopher Walken, Dustin Hoffman, Patrick Dempsey, Norman Nixon, Herschel White. It's a long, long list. So you own not just the royal family, but the dance world. An apology for poking fun is something that we're very sensitive about because we don't have enough money, enough opportunity in the arts for young people. We'd get more Steve Jobs if we had more ballet, less bullying. Laura Spencer. There we go. I am sure. That's Debbie Allen, dude, not. making some solid points to Laura Spencer. Where is the video of Laura Spencer doing it? Maybe I can find it on. I just want to point something out. I'm not like defending this lady, Laura Spencer. She's just some whatever morning news person who probably thinks she's hilarious. But I want to find the video because when she says it, unless I'm mistaken, the first time I watched it, the audience laughs. Oh, this is just a bunch of people responding to Lara Spencer. Oh, come on, guys. There's not one clip. This is, I'm just going through all of Instagram. There's like over a thousand videos with hashtag Lara Spencer, and none of them are Lara Spencer. Maybe it's just this guy. I think this is Travis Walls or something. Travis Wall, thank you. This is his message. Sir, good morning, America. Yesterday you made comments while talking about Prince George wanting to take a ballet class and laughing that he loves it. And I found these comments to be very upsetting. Not only did you inspire your audience and colleagues to participate in the laughter, you have now added fuel to the fire to a massive problem in this country, which is bullying. As a dancer myself, I was bullied all the time growing up and I'm thankful that I used that as motivation to be successful, but that's not the case for every child. I'm not sure if you know what ballet teaches you, especially if you pronounce it ballet, but ballet teaches you integrity, teaches you discipline, teaches you respect, and it teaches you bravery. And if there are any boys out there that wanna dance and wanna pick up a dance class, do it. Boys dance too, shut off that laughter, and you can be successful if you work really hard. So Laura, I'm just giving you this. The next time you wanna laugh at a child for taking a dance class or laugh at them at all, look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself if you wanna be a bully today. Boom. I kind of like the fact that this lady is getting so owned over it. It's kind of funny. You know what I mean? It is kind of weird, though. Like, I, I wouldn't care if my son wanted to play ballet. Play ballet. 
Oh man, be in ballet. I feel like it would really help with balance and stuff. You know what I mean? And then it would help him if you want to play other sports too, like basketball and stuff like that. Um, I'm going to give one last ditch attempt to find uh, this Lara Spencer video. Actually, I mean, is it even worth it? Does anyone even care? I'm just... Uh, videos. Okay, I'll click videos on Twitter and see what we got. This is probably not a good listen right now. The ballet world... Uh, these are all just her apology. This sucks. Okay, whatever. Try and find the original video. It's just like, it's. I don't think it's as bad because the audience starts laughing and they, they're creating. That's the only thing I'll back this lady up on because she is a dort. A dort. A dolt. A dort. <laughs> a dort. New word. Um, for, you know, thinking it's so funny that a boy would be in ballet, but because I, I really. Like a lot of boys are in ballet. So I get that. I get the backlash, but. I just I don't buy that she created this whole joke or something and made the audience laugh like she did after the audience was laughing. It is kind of the way because she's the way she said it though. But this lady got fucking served. All right, here is um, this is what I'm gonna do now. I'm trying to think of other ways we could do things on the pod when I don't have like full access to the internet. So I looked up some fun facts on Twitter, right? If the earth stopped for one second and you weren't belt buckled to the earth, you would fall over and roll 800 miles per hour due east, killing dot dot dot, killing everyone. All right. Here's why I like this. The the first response that I see when I screenshot screenshotted screenshooted screenshot I don't know screenshotted it screenshot it. This is a lie. One, our body would disintegrate the instant it rolls at such a speed. Two, people aren't lined up in one direction. I don't think they're saying it would kill everyone because you personally <laughs> would be flying and just like knocking over everybody like a bunch of dominoes because that that because everybody would it's saying everyone would die it's saying like the earth stopping for one second every it would kill everyone it's not saying <laughs> the way it's worded does it does kind of fit, make you picture that if the earth stopped for one second you weren't belt buckled to the earth you would fall over and roll 800 miles per hour due east killing everyone it does kind of sound like you're this torpedo that's going through everybody but uh i just think it's funny that when you think about it for a second it's not what they meant by it but this person's like uh this is a lie because one our body would disintegrate uh this the instant it rolls at such a speed which is the whole point and then they go two we're not all lined up <laughs> yeah man also everybody would be going the same direction so why do you think they're saying one person just goes and just annihilates each person on the planet uh, that's such a funny response. Uh, people who sleep less than six hours a night are 4.2 times more likely to catch a cold compared to those who sleep more than seven, who get more than seven hours of sleep. Absolutely. I, I'll, I straight up told my wife, I'm like, hey, I'm not getting sleep lately. Like, I need to sleep in because I know I'm going to get sick. If I, if I don't get sleep a couple days in a row, if I get like four hours, two, three days in a row, I'm getting sick. I'm getting a cold almost like nine times out of ten. So get your rest, everybody. More than seven hours, dude. It's hard to get seven hours. Two little kids. I'm happy if I get six, but I'm really happy if I get seven for sure. Um, ooh, this is a big one. Once you fall in love, there's no going back to being just friends. I agree with that. You know what I mean? Like I don't have any sort of, I've been in love. I was in love once before my wife and not love with her anymore, obviously. But I don't want to be her friend either. I don't think she wants to be my friend. Not because I dislike her, but 
it's like don't care you know what I mean like you just move on <laughs> so I'm pretty sure she probably feels the same way I have no idea but there's no like like why would you want to be friends there's there's girls I've dated who I'm still cool with but I was never in love with them so big difference what do you guys think huh do you think uh, you can go back to being just friends once you were in love I feel like it's weird and then you hear these stories about people who are like oh no like we stayed friends and blah blah, blah. and then the person's new a uh, husband dies and then you just end up back with the original person you're in love with there's all there's still something kind of there like if you know what i mean or not some that's not not necessarily something there but there's, there's too much history you know what i mean too many feelings involved all right this one is so dumb research has shown that people are happiest at 7 26 p.m on saturday evening based on what like i don't even get that because research so are you asking people? Is it a survey? Because I wouldn't be able to tell you when I'm happiest. And then you just like do an average. Oh, this guy said eight o'clock. This guy said seven o'clock. And then a bunch of people say that. And then it turns out to be 726. You know what I mean? It doesn't really make sense. Like, hey, at what point last night do you think you were happiest? Because no one's saying 726 p.m., right? Because everyone would be nuts then. Oh, I really bet 726 p.m. I was extremely happy. Thank you for asking. Like, that's, we're not robots. So, I just feel like they're either asking people and people are like, yeah, I'd say around eight o'clock on Saturday night. Oh, I'd say around seven. Oh, I'd say around nine. I'd say around six. I'd say around eight. I'd say around seven. I'd say around eight. I'd say around seven. I'd say around seven. I'd say around seven. Oh, now we're down to like 7.26 PM. We do the averages. I like this person responded. I have to remember to see if it's a fact. What, is, what does that mean? At 7.26 PM, you're just gonna be waiting to see if like at 7.25, you're like, I'm pretty happy. It clicks over 7.26. Whoa, what a rush of happiness. They were right. <laughs> All right, this is a good little tip. This one, sometimes I gotta stick to. Eating your food slowly will help you lose weight. Enjoy your food, reduce stress, and lead to better digestion. First off, totally leads to better digestion because you chew your food more. But also I think eating slowly because uh, it takes a while for your body to recognize it's full. So if you eat fast, you'll overeat. But if you eat slowly, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm already full. I'm good. I don't need to eat anymore. So that's a good one. You know what I mean? Got to keep that in mind. When I'm on these ships, I do intermittent fasting too, just to shed some body fat. Because when I'm in town, it's so hard to get to the gym with the kids. And then I also eat. I don't eat as well when I'm with my kids because you're just in a rush, you eat whatever's around. I sometimes, some days I can, but then also, I don't know, late at night if I don't have a show or something, my wife and I finally want to relax. Hey, let's have some wine, you know what I mean? Like that's a lot of calories, a lot of sugar there. Alcohol, not the best. I do like a glass of wine though. Oh man, I got, I still have this, uh, when we went to wine country for our anniversary, we still have a couple expensive bottles for me, okay? Like these bottles were, spent like 50 something dollars on a bottle <laughs> which is the most I've ever spent on a bottle of wine and that bottle though we tasted it there ooh ooh is it good there was a bottle do I still have a picture of it I might have some of my pictures we'll do some of these other facts later I guess um, so let me see if I still have a picture of this bottle because when we went to Napa we stopped at a Total Wine & More Total Wine & More is great they have all these different bottles on here it is Ooh, okay. So I'm gonna tell you guys about this bottle. Um, and they, they stay like, oh, this is like our, they rate like their Pinot Noirs and their Cabernet Sauvignon, you know? So I like Pinot Noir, Cabernet Sauvignon, so is my wife. I think my wife likes Merlot as well, but we generally drink cabs 
or Pinot Noir. And uh, so I'm like, I, I was, you know, my wife and I are not like big wine snobs or anything. We don't know. We like wine. But I go, let's just get, let's like see which ones are rated high, like in the top 10, and we'll get some of those, right? And she's like, yeah, that's a good idea. And so this one, I don't even know if this was their top rated Cabernet. This one, Cabernet. It was, it's usually 28 bucks, right? But it was on sale for. Nineteen ninety nine, and if you mix six, you got six or more that were part of this thing, which is what we do. We got six bottles. It was seventeen ninety nine. So for only eighteen bucks, I got this bottle. It is a two thousand four ninety three points, ninety three point score, which is really good. Uh, a two thousand fourteen Mascota, Mascota Vineyards Unan Unanime. I'm usually good at pronouncing things, and I still cannot pronounce this. It's U N A N I M E. Un anime, un anime, un anime. Anyways, unaname. I think there's a little accent over the a. Anyways, let's just leave the podcast there. If you guys go to Total Wine and More, and I believe this is a Cabernet. Yeah, it's Cabernet. The 2014 unaname. U n a n i m e. Vineyards. Ooh, it's good. And if it's still on sale, you got to get it. Okay, guys, this podcast is a little long. That death article was super long. That was weird. Hopefully there were some fun parts to talk about, but that was a pretty morbid subject. Anyways, if you guys are enjoying it, please subscribe, rate the podcast five stars. And uh, yeah, once I'm in Cozumel, I'll upload this. Thank you for listening to my daddy.